Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How y'all doing? How are you doing? Long time no podcast, but who cares, right? I mean, really, how many people really, really care whether I put out a podcast or not? I don't know. But I care. So I guess that's really, in the end, all that really matters, right? Um, like the sound of my own voice or something. But uh, so how you been? How's life treating you post-COVID, you know? This the post-COVID world that we're living in now. Actually, it's not quite that way for everybody. I know there's a lot of people that are, you know, happy and, you know, really rejoicing over the fact that they don't have to wear a mask anymore and I don't know what it's like where you're at but here stateside especially in Massachusetts um, it's been really really pleasant we we're back to normal here so uh, there's really no restrictions and you know people are just so happy at least most people are but what I'm kind of seeing and I guess discovering really is that even though all the restrictions have been lifted, like even though people don't have to wear a mask anymore, there's still this contingency of people that just refuse to let COVID go. I mean, they're obsessed with it almost as if they need it. You know, I'm not quite sure why I've thought about it quite a bit, tried to figure out what that all means, but it's, it's really strange and really kind of, I guess, concerning a little bit about the future at least. And like, just how, how weird it is that people seem, some people seem to need to have like the crisis of COVID in their lives. And I'm not one of them, but you know, a lot of the people that I'm talking about, you know, it's not like they're, they're stupid people or something. I'm talking about people that are highly educated, very intelligent people. And they are just so, you know, I don't know what's the word. They are so reluctant to go back to normal existence that they go so far as to get kind of like accusatory and, you know, angry with people that, you know, are not wearing a mask and they're back to normal. You know, they just will not accept that COVID or the COVID restrictions have been lifted. And it's really, really weird. Um, I don't want to talk about it all day long, but really it's at the forefront of everything right now. I mean, it's, you know, everywhere you look, well, just like over the past year and a half, really. I mean, everywhere you went, everywhere you looked, every TV show or channel or program or YouTube video you watch, everything seems to be, you know, in some way, you know, affected by COVID, you know, and people talking about COVID and the results, uh, you know, of an existence under COVID restrictions, you know, but how odd, how strange that 
there's this contingency of people that just refuse to let it go. And uh, I don't know, I kind of predict for whatever my predictions are worth, I kind of predict that Dr. Fauci is going to be like the fall guy, you know, after all is said and done, like they're going to just kind of nail that guy. He'll be the scapegoat, you know, for all things that went wrong with COVID or during COVID or whatever. Um, I, I called it from day one. As soon as that guy stepped up, I'm like, he's the one, he's the one that's going to just get nailed when this is over. You know, they're going to go after him. And uh, I kind of think that's already started. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that's happening. And uh, what a strange set of circumstances we find ourselves in here in the U.S., you know, po politically and oh boy, you know, uh, you'd think that once COVID is over, that things would just kind of snap back to the way they were. And for the most part, I think that's how it is. But boy, we sure seem to have a lot to kind of like overcome in the next few months. And uh, this contingency of people that refuse to let COVID go, man, uh, you know, I worry for them. I worry for us because of them. So we'll see how all that pans out. You know, we'll be living it. You know, it's not something that we'll be able to avoid, you know. But uh, how are you doing in this post-COVID world we're in? How are you doing? How's life been? How are, you know, are things getting back to normal for you? And uh, if not, I guess I feel sorry for you and uh, be praying for you that you get back to normal, you know, wherever you are in the world. Um, crazy times, man, crazy times. So anyway, what have I been up to? Well, you know, a whole lot of music, got some new songs coming down the pike. Um, it's pretty good ones too, I think. Ones that will, uh, you know, be pleasing. I think that last one I released, the Mapping in the Stars, I think that went over pretty well seems to be getting a lot of traction and people seem to be liking that sound, you know, kind of breaking away from the heavier stuff a little bit. You know, I kind of felt like it was time for that. Like I, I, th I feel anyway that, you know, over the past year or so since I've been releasing new material, I, I kind of feel like I've demonstrated that I can do the heavy thing, you know, pretty good. And now it's time to kind of like you know, demonstrate that I'm able to kind of stretch out a little bit and to, I don't know, like soften things up a little bit, get a little more atmospheric, a little more emotional, you know, with the songs. So stay tuned for what I have coming. Um, I promise you that you won't have to wait too much longer. Um, but man, have I been busy with the music thing, you know, I've got some new equipment like I mentioned a couple months back and, you know, it's like a playground, you know, being able to have new tools to work with in the studio. Um, it changes everything for me, you know, I guess I've always been kind of like, um, one of those musicians that's like, uh, equipment driven, 
you know? Like, uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, uh, let me explain it to you this way. Like, I'm a drummer, right? So I have a drum set that I bought and I have also just recently acquired an, an electronic drum set. So depending on what I'm sitting behind and like what I'm playing on, my playing will be different. You know, like if I go to a music store where they have several drum sets set up and they're all different, like when I sit down behind each drum set, what comes out of me is like very different depending on the drum configuration or whatever. And the same goes for like anything else. Like if I sit behind a keyboard or if I sit behind a piano, you know, there's a difference between sitting behind a synthesizer and a real piano. So I'll play differently, you know, or with a guitar, you know, I play differently on an acoustic than I do on an electric. And depending on the guitar, it could be, uh, you know, uh, a different kind of electric guitar with a different kind of amp and different kind of effects. You know, what I play is different, you know? You probably know what I mean, especially if you're a player and everything. It depends on the equipment, right? I mean, a lot of it comes from, obviously, inside of me and my technique or my lack of technique or whatever. But uh, I don't know. So that's why I've been having fun in my studio, just kind of messing around with new stuff and coming up with new sounds and new ideas. And um, <laughs> obviously not doing too many podcasts, you know, sorry about that. Um, but uh, I wonder if you've missed me. <laughs> Probably not, right? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while. I think I kind of felt a little bit guilty, you know, that that happens. I feel guilty that I, you know, have neglected the Singularity podcast after a while and uh, got to kind of force myself sometimes to like sit down and talk, you know, even if I don't have anything to really talk about, like today, you know, I don't really have a whole lot to talk about, but I did have this uh, idea on this topic I wanted to talk about um, today. Uh, like just recently, actually, I found out uh, about this thing. And now to me, this was new, but to the rest of the world, it's probably like, you know, an old, old thing. But um, I came across this video on YouTube of these people that are creating poster art. Um, they're making poster art for movies that have been released or like, you know, movies that are old, you know, but, uh, they're a fan of the movie. They like the movie. So they decide to design their own poster art for the movie. And there's a whole like market for this kind of thing. And while that may not sound like a very big deal to most people, Okay, I see it as like a major shift in popular culture. Okay, a pretty important one, too, because like, I don't know whether you know this or not, but I'm a Creative Commons artist and I believe in this idea 
wholeheartedly of like open source kind of music and licensing and publishing. Like I like the idea of sharing art and creativity freely all across the board. So whether it's graphic art, music, videos, all those kinds of things, I am an advocate of, you know, making that kind of thing available for free and, you know, for use without retribution, you know? So I'm, I know for a fact that most of you know that already about me, that you, you know, my music is available for free. You can use it in your videos and you won't get sued. You just got to attribute me, you know, you just got to give me credit. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. And I think that with this poster art idea, you know, although they're not giving it away for free, it's causing a bit of a ruckus in the film industry because, you know, there are these companies that hold the rights to these major films and these people that are releasing their own artwork you know, for that film that's owned by what, you know, Warner Brothers or, you know, Miramax Films or something, you know, whatever, Orion Films, whoever owns the rights to the film, you know, they're having like this big problem with these average ordinary people, you know, outside of the industry, kind of creating this cottage industry around these films that they own the rights to. And, you know, there's people getting sued and there's all kinds of money problems and licensing issues and whatever, but it doesn't really matter like to me. Okay. Like that doesn't matter. It's still like a really important change in the film industry. You know, this idea that the audience kind of takes ownership after a while anyway of the popular culture you know and the film may be owned by you know a major film company but at some point really it can be argued that the movies especially those films that are like massively popular like Star Wars or you know, Psycho or any Alfred Hitchcock film or something, you know, like the audience at some point, you know, kind of takes ownership. Like the, those films are so big and the culture is so inundated with them that they kind of in some ways maybe can belong to the public domain. I mean, it can be argued. You know, and while Warner Brothers may have a problem with, you know, some guy making a poster, you know, for a film that came out, you know, 10 or 20 years ago that they own, you know, uh, I think it's kind of like it's, you know, it's a trend. It's something to pay attention to because really it's the beginning of something that we haven't seen before, you know, where the fan base is so loyal and so rabid about a specific thing 
that they start to make their own product, you know, their own, their own expression, you know, of, of the film or of the group or of the album, they start to make their own. And I think that's absolutely fascinating that it's happening, but it's also equally as fascinating to me that those posters and things like that are becoming, you know, collectible and they have their own market and people are buying these posters regardless of whether the film studios want them to or not. It, do it doesn't matter. Like it's, you know, using something like Star Wars as an example. I mean, it's such a huge film. You know, do you remember, was it like 1977 or 1978 when Star Wars first came out? You know, I do. I was about six or seven years old and it was huge, man. You know, even back then and that film has just continued to grow in popularity. And I'm not even talking about the sequels and all that kind of stuff, like the franchise that Star Wars became. I'm talking about the first film, Star Wars. You know, the one with Luke Skywalker and R2-D2 when it all got started. That film, I mean, yeah, it might be owned by Lucasfilms or whatever, but I don't know, like at some point, it becomes so massive that in my opinion, it kind of is no longer the property, the sole property, I should say, of Lucasfilms. I think it's like, at this point, it's part of American culture. And whether Lucasfilms likes it or not, I mean, that was the idea, right? And that's something I never quite really understood, really. Like, you know, ever since the advent of like the MP3, okay? Uh, jumping over to the music thing, okay? Um, you know, this idea of music being pirated, you know, or, uh, you know, people burning their own MP3 versions of albums and trading them amongst their friends or whatever, you know? Uh, of course, as we all know how that turned out and how a lot of people got into trouble and really subsequently it was really, for the most part, the death knell of the music industry and the record companies as we knew them. And now, as the net result of all that, we have, you know, very limited number of record companies, uh, major ones anyway, and... Uh, you know, there's really no stopping it. Like once the genie is out of the bottle, there's really no way to put it back in, you know? And um, with this movie poster thing and with films and all that, I kind of see it really the same way. It's like, yeah, you can try to control, you know, what people are doing with the, what, the name and the images of these things, but you know, it's really kind of moot, you know, it's futile. Like, what's the point? Like you film a video for a song, you know, like what's that one song? It was a uh, boys of summer by Don Henley, 
You know, I love that song and I watch a lot, a lot of YouTube. Okay. And a lot of the time I'm listening to songs that I like, and it just drove me absolutely crazy. Every time I wanted to hear the boys of summer by Don Henley, there was some kind of like, you know, block on the video or some kind of problem, like some kind of hassle and lawsuit. So, you know, you can't just hear the song, but it's uh, and watch the video, you know, but to me, that just seems like so stupid. Like you filmed the video back in what, like 1983 or 85 or something. I forget when it was, but you know, you spent the money on the video, right? To promote the album and the song, you know, Don Henley's building the perfect beast album. And here's the first single, the boys of summer. And here's the video to promote, you know, and you spent a lot of money on that promotion, you know, as a record company, I get it. You know, it was a lot of money, but you know, didn't you make your money back? Like, didn't the video pay for itself with record sales back in the day? I mean, didn't you already make the money you needed? So now the video for Boys of Summer, right, by Don Henley, is really kind of like a free commercial for that album and for that song. Like, you already made the money off the video. So why don't you just let everybody watch the video for free and maybe, okay, maybe somebody new, some new young kid hearing it for the first time will love the song, love the video and, you know, buy the album or buy the song. You know, maybe that'll happen. You know, you'll find a new fan, you know, because of this old video you shot back in the day, you know, but no, no, that's not how it goes. You know, there's got to be a lawsuit and blah, 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 blah. But it, to me, it just seems so stupid. It seems counterintuitive and counterproductive. It doesn't make any sense, you know. And this is coming from an artist who, you know, lets everyone use their music for free. So I probably am the wrong person to be, you know, voicing my opinion about it. But to me, it just seems like so stupid. Like it's such a such a bad idea to give anybody a hard time for, you know, listening to your song. <laughs> it's like you should be thanking your lucky stars that someone even cares enough to listen, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you agree with me on this? I'm sure you probably do. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have no problem giving my stuff away for free, let people use it or whatever, because I listen to a lot of stuff for free. You know, I, I like that. I think it's one of the best things about the internet. And, you know, the modern technology is that we can listen to old songs from a long time ago. You, know, you can think of anything now, you know, with YouTube, you can think of absolutely any song from any era at any time, type it in and you'll find it, you know, and all you young kids out there that are, you know, used to that, that's all you've ever known. Let me tell you, for an old fart like me, man, that's like that's like awesome. You know, it is so awesome to just think of anything, you know, 
any song from my past, no matter how obscure, type it in and find it, you know? Like, uh, what was it? I looked up the Alex Harvey band, you know, the song Faith Healer. I love that song. And the video is just totally awesome, like totally weird, you know? And, uh, you know, totally had as an influence on Pipe Choir. I mean, if you watch the video, you see the guy with the makeup on his face. I mean, come on, you know? Um, Influencing a whole new generation, you know, 20 years after the song was written and after the video was made, you know, just because it's there and it's available. And I happened to remember it one day and I typed it in and there it was, you know, um, that's totally awesome. Um, it wasn't always that way, you know. And I remember the time when it wasn't that way, you know? I'm sure a lot of my happy innovators remember those times too, because you're probably, you know, somewhere around my age. So, you know, we were born at this time where we were really kind of, really born at the right place at the right time. You know, we kind of were straddling the, the 70s and 80s, you know, the me generation you know, and the age of technology, the age of information, you know, the age of infotech and, and all that. Like we were kind of like right at the time the eight track was around and vinyl was going strong, but you know, the compact disc was being introduced and computers and all that. Like we were straddling both worlds, you know, by being born in the seventies you know, or the eighties or, you know, whatever. So it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of cool. I think anyway, to be the age I am right now and watching how things have changed and watching how things continue to change, you know, this poster idea for the movie thing is just another layer, you know, another example of that change. I mean, when you think about it, and I've been talking about it a lot over the past couple podcasts, like the idea of the music that we grew up with being like really special, you know, like we were born at this time, you know, if you were born in the seventies, like I was, you know, we were born at this time where music was just fantastic, you know, and you can go back and listen and it's just decade after decade from like 1970, 80, 1990, the 2000s, you know? Wow, what a great time for film, for movies, for painting, right? Fine art, um, all kinds of stuff. Television, the way television has evolved and, you know, programming. It's amazing. And then the advent of YouTube, like, oh my gosh, it changed absolutely everything. I mean, the majority of the people that I know now are really kind of tuning out of television and they're tuning into their computers and YouTube and not, really not even on a computer. It's on their phone. You know, it's so amazing when you really stop to take a look at everything and to think about how much things have changed and how much they continue to change, you know? And I don't know, some people, they don't, some people don't like change. I get that because I'm that way sometimes too, 
You know, I want some things to kind of stay the same, but I don't know at this point, really, with the, the way the world is going and everything, it's like trying to turn the tide back with a Dixie cup, you know, good luck. It ain't going to happen. So, you know, I suggest we embrace it, you know, this change that's coming and all the changes that have happened, you know, over the past couple decades. It's amazing. It's amazing the world we live in. You know, my my dad and I actually, my father and I were on the phone, you know, having a long conversation the other day and we were talking about that, you know, because my father was born in like the 30s, you know, and we had this really long conversation. It was actually kind of nice, you know, like, um, I don't know if you have parents, you know, they're still around or whatever. But did you ever have like a really long talk with your parents about the world and about life and all that kind of stuff? Did you ever do that? You know, my dad and I talk a lot and we usually are joking around and goofing around, but we really kind of got down to brass tacks. You know, we talked about everything and he was kind of telling me his opinion of how things have changed and what he sees and over the years and all the presidents he lived through and all the experiences, you know, and Kennedy being shot and all that kind of stuff, everything, you name it, the wall coming down. You know, my father, you know, has a long memory and has lived a lot of life. And uh, what a fascinating conversation, you know, to get into with my dad, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that we don't really have the time to talk about, like on an average everyday situation. Like, you know, we're usually, you know, busy and he's busy, I'm busy. So we talk, we say, hello, how you doing? To kind of check in with each other. But, you know, when was the last time you really sat down and had a heart to heart with your parents, you know, or with the people around you, you know? I kind of, you know, that's a kind of a good question, I think, isn't it? It's an important part of our lives, like talking to the people that are around us, you know, it was like one of the things that sucked about COVID and wearing a mask and, oh, it drove me crazy. Like, I don't know about you, but it did. It drove me crazy, like not being able to see people's faces, you know, like not being able to connect at all with anybody. Like it was like this weird kind of separation, just having a mask over your face, not being able to see if someone is smiling at you, you know, to kind of like read their expression. It was really, really weird, you know, um, especially towards the end, like the last couple months before COVID ended, ended here, um, you know, it was like really frustrating sometimes to be in conversation with somebody and not being able to read the expression on their face while they're talking. I mean, it's so important to communication. And I don't think we even realize that until something like wearing a mask becomes mandatory, you know? And uh, I know the other day, my wife and I went to the grocery store for the first time since COVID ended here in Massachusetts. And 
the people in the grocery store were not wearing masks. And I swear to you, the vibe in that place was so happy. I mean, we're just at the grocery store, you know, to buy like vegetables or something. And people were so friendly and so happy to be free, you know, to be free of having to wear a mask and, you know, having to social distance from each other and all that bullshit that we had to do. You know, it's like to be free and to just be normal, just to be friendly, you know, and communicate. And, oh, it was so strange, but it was great. You know, everybody was so happy. My wife and I included, you know, it's like, oh, finally, you know, we're getting back to what we used to have, you know, and, uh, Oh, you know, the Bruins were in the playoffs, you know, the hockey team here in Massachusetts, the Boston Bruins, you know, they had made it to the playoffs and for like the first game of the playoffs or one of them anyway, they had a full capacity crowd, you know, and the place was just explosive with joy and happiness, you know, like tears of joy that there are finally, you know, crowds again. You know, large gatherings of people without any kind of controversy or baloney or whatever, you know, and uh, and maybe you feel the same way where you're at, you know, like we're getting back to what we used to have. And ah, oh, did I miss it? You know, uh, I'm I spend a lot of time in my studio. I spend a lot of time alone, so. You know, I relish the opportunity to talk to people and to get out and do stuff and all that. And oh, it's just been so wonderful. You know, that cloud of like, you know, darkness and depression that had kind of been floating over our communities for the past year and a half is just gradually lifting. You know, the world begins to thaw, you know, from the long cold winter. And, you know, here we are. And you know what? Like I said, mark my words, Dr. Fauci, that guy, he's going to he's going to carry all the blame, you know, for all the stuff and all the shenanigans and BS that we've had to put up with. But it's probably unfair. You know, he he probably is not solely responsible for these problems that we're having. But, you know. He's going to probably, at least in my best estimation, he's going to be the guy who pays the price and everybody else will walk. But, you know, that's the world we live in. They're going to they're going to cancel Fauci, you know, this cancel culture. You know, he's probably next. And uh, for that reason, I feel sorry for the guy. But I got to admit, you know, it's been a relief to get back to normal feeling normal again and uh just when summer's coming too you know the seasons have changed here and it's like oh the weather is great you know people are out and about and back to the way things used to be and uh i guess there's really not much to say today i don't really have too much to talk about i you know obviously you can tell you know i meandered a little bit but you know 
it's, it was time. It's time to do a podcast. And uh, now it's time for me to let you go and get back to recording some music and everything. But I hope, I hope that wherever you are, all you happy innovators that are listening to this, that are kind enough and taking, you know, taking the time to listen to my podcast, you know, uh, I just want you to know that I hope that you are having a great life. You're, you know, things are getting back to normal for you. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that you are going to have a great summer, you know, and, uh, have some fun to get out and have some fun and be around people, get back to normal. You know, I really sincerely hope that that's the case for all y'all out there listening. So my happy innovators, my good friends, my good and loyal listeners, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. Have fun, be safe. And until next time, folks, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, everybody. Okay, all you happy innovators that were cool enough to hang around to the end of the podcast today. What I'm going to share with you today is a song I have called The Argument. It was a song that was written originally written probably back around 2012. Um, But, you know, recently I had remixed it and made a new video for it and everything. And uh, I'm going to share it with you today because I was listening to it, you know, watching the video, I guess, um, not too long ago. And I was really kind of taken aback by like the energy of the song, you know, and uh, I kind of forget sometimes, you know, (laughs) I'm so busy and so wrapped up, you know, making something new. I forget where I've been and what I've done. And, you know, every once in a while I'll press play on something old. And, you know, sometimes I'm disappointed and sometimes I'm not. And this is one of those times when I wasn't disappointed, you know, and especially uh, the drums in this song. I'm like, how oh, that that kick drum I have going in this song is like that subatomic kick drum that I've been searching for, you know, for decades, like trying to get my drums to sound like that. And with this mix, with this song, I finally got there. You know, big fat snare, big kick drum, like slamming drums, you know, and uh, trust me, it took me a long time to dial that in, you know, get to get to that sound 
that you hear now on the pipe choir recordings. Like I, I worked so hard for so long, you know, trial and error, you know, uh, for, for a long time, trying to get the right formula, the right recipe for my drum sound. And, oh boy, I'd say, you know, really, uh, with that song I have, Sister Wind, that new version of it that I put out not too long ago. Um, that's, that was the, the arrival, you know, of the drum sound that I'd been searching for all my life. But in this song, the argument, it's a little bit older mix, but I had dialed the kick drum in on this one. And uh, tell me what you think. You know, maybe you agree. And uh, it's a banger, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm proud of this one. I like it. So without further ado, uh, The Argument by Pipe Choir. Peace out, everybody. Be safe and have fun. Talk to you soon. Where the moon